You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins, with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Corey Provis. Today's show comes to you from Comerica Park in Detroit. Twins and the Tigers set to wrap up this weekend series today. Rubber game. Twins won Friday. Tigers won by one last night. This is stop number one on a long road trip for the Twins. Our guest on our Sunday show is the manager of the ball club. Always great to catch up with Rocco Baldelli. And Rock, a lot to visit with you about today. Let's begin first with the quick turnaround here as the Tigers, uh, with weather coming this afternoon, push the game time up a bit earlier today. When did you find out and what challenges does that present to you, Bailey Ober, and others today? Yeah, that was yesterday afternoon. It's something that uh, does not normally happen in our game. The game times don't normally get changed beforehand because of possible rain. Uh, this is also our division, a team that we're going to play uh, again this year over here. So um, they, they called. They said, uh, we're thinking about something, but we need the Twins' approval if we're going to do it. And uh, we, we looked at the situation and said, we don't want to get stuck here in the rain either. Uh, we'll be okay with it. What do we have to do about it? Well, I need to check with Bailey uh, Ober. I need to check with Pete Mackey. Um, obviously, I talked with Derek Falvey about this. But everyone gave it the thumbs up, and here we are at 1210. Was there any downside when you began to weigh the pros and cons about, about not accepting the, the adjusted game time? Were there any cons about this, uh, this ordeal? They're not major cons. They're mainly preferences and things like that. So, you know, checking with your pitcher to make sure he feels generally okay with the situation, that's fine. We got Bailey out of there last night directly after his uh, his workouts, and basically around game time he was sent back to the hotel. So he got a good night's sleep. Uh, he was able to get up early, get on the first bus, and have plenty of time to be over here for his start. Yeah, that got me thinking, too, with the revised schedule about not playing as many divisional games as we once did where off days become so precious as you kind of make your way through the season, if teams might be more proactive in maybe uh, having doubleheaders in advance of some upcoming weather that may impact the series. Have you had any discussions with either Derek or Thad or other managers about teams as we move along? Say you're just going to Colorado one time, you're going to New York one time, that you may see teams kind of be proactive and maybe play two and not have that risky third day where the weather may impact that final game. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky so far this year where we haven't had to contemplate too, too many of those uh those things. Our schedule's worked out fine. Yes, it's it's kind of cool weather early on, but uh, we haven't had to, to sit down at the table with other clubs and really discuss just how we're going to bang out these games, how the doubleheaders might be scheduled, uh, if we're going to change game time. This is really the first time we've had to deal with it. Uh, what do we do about it upcoming, you know, as the season goes on? Uh, it's going to happen. There's going to be summer rain, and uh, everywhere we go, it's going to be a question, especially places we're only going one time. So uh, could we see it a little bit more 
more as time goes on? I think so with just playing every team, you know, basically a lot, many teams, one series, and you only have three opportunities to, uh, to play the games. I'll tell you this, our guys, any guys around this league, players, staff, anyone, no, nobody wants to be taking their off days and, uh, and making those, you know, two off days that you have in a month, all of a sudden you get one because you have to play a game. If we can, uh, you know, find a way to get a double header in, we want to play the games. I want to shift the conversation now to some injury news, and it was a horrific scene in the eighth inning last night when Jose De Leon came out of the game. I believe, Rock, correct me if I'm wrong, it was his final warm-up toss before that uh, game was going to uh, start back up again when he just injured his elbow. He was grabbing at it right away. You know, we could only guess as to what was being said, but the sound. Did you hear just a sound come from his mouth and see the pain that was obvious? Did you get a sense of how horrific it was just based on the images and maybe what you heard? I looked up and most of the people in our dugout looked up and saw him just buckled over. And uh, I think he was in pain. There was some, I think, some almost some shock uh, involved in what was going on there. Uh, most of the people in our dugout also didn't see it actually happen because he's just taken his warm-up pitches. We had just put him in the game. Uh, I was sitting there talking to some of the coaches, uh, and and you know people started whistling and, and yelling at us to, to get out of the dugout, and we all looked up and saw him uh, just bent over and, and holding his arms. So it's, a, it's an emotional thing for everybody involved, but for Jose, who's worked incredibly hard, he's been pitching well uh, to deal with something uh, so... Uh, I don't want to call it tragic yet because I, I, we don't know what it is. We have to wait and see. We have to get some testing done. It's definitely not good. He's going to be out for a, a period of time no matter what. Um, but we're still hopeful that it's not something that's uh, maybe going to end his season or, or anything like that. It's not the kind of thing that you want to see at the ballpark, though. But he is on the I.L., like you said, and Josh Winder is here taking his roster spot. So still awaiting imaging. Is that going to be done back home? Is he is he back in Minneapolis today? So he's flying today uh, back to Minneapolis. We're going to get him looked at as soon as we possibly can. Uh, and we just have to start there. I mean, we, we want to, you know, everyone likes to think we know what might be happening. No one really knows exactly what's going on. Uh, there is... Uh, uh, definitely something going on in that elbow, though. So getting Winder here and getting uh, De Leon back home to Minneapolis to get looked at is just the right thing to do. Byron Buxton had to leave the game as well after his third at bat last night due to back spasms. He's not starting today. Is this a day-to-day thing with Byron? It'll be a day-to-day thing, I believe. Um, uh, he you know, had some ambition of, of playing in today's game, but after coming out the way that he did yesterday, it's, it's very hard to put him in there and feel comfortable that he's going to be able to go out there and swing, get through the game. Um, you know, always, always tough when you got to take anyone out, especially Buck. Um, but he's, he's dealt with some of this, uh, some of these lower back issues already this year. He's generally recovered from them. Okay. With a decent timeline. I don't expect him to be out too, too long, but as far as starting in today's game, we're going to have him down. And the Twins don't get a chance to go to Georgia too often and, and face the Braves in Atlanta. That'll happen now every other year with the new schedule. But for Byron to go back to Georgia, to go back to the Atlanta area, even though he's you know from about four hours you know south of there, 
Is, is this a big deal for him trying to get healthy to play in these next three games? Well, if he's healthy, he's going to play. And if he's not able to play, he's not able to play. And, and you know, is that hard for uh, him going home and, and knowing there's definitely going to be a buck contingent in, uh, in Georgia? But, um, again, it, it, the health is really all that matters, and his ability to go up there and swing and run the bases are really all that matters. There's really not a lot uh, that you can offer and say, uh, you know, the emotional part of it, we're going to just make the decision and put him out there if he can't swing. Like, no, we'll just do what makes sense. Uh, could it be hard on him? Maybe. Uh, but I'm hopeful that he's actually going to be healthy enough to go out there and play, and, uh, you know, we'll go in with that mentality. We'll take our first break on our Sunday show. When we come back, we'll dive into some starting pitching numbers as last night Pablo Lopez gave the Twins six innings, and this Twins uh, starting staff continues to lead all of baseball in getting length from their starters. We'll dive into that topic and much more with Rocco Ball. Delhi with Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, continues next on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Tigers coming up in just under an hour as they wrap up this weekend series. And Rock, last night, Pablo Lopez gave this team six innings, struck out 10, had the one lengthy second, but the Twins starters now have tallied 439 innings. And that leads all of baseball. Considering the struggles that that group had last year, giving this team length, we're at almost the halfway point now of the season, approaching 80 games here this season and continue to keep that pace up that we saw in April. Yeah, it, absolutely exceptional. Every guy we put out there uh, pitches us, not just to the fifth inning, but, but gives us a real chance to go deep in every single game. Uh, we have a chance to win every single game because of the way those guys have been throwing the ball. It's exactly what you, uh, you're you thinking about as you're designing, you're looking, you're saying, you know, how are we going to build this staff? Um, well, the staff has been built, and the staff is out there doing a really good job. So uh, it's, it's a very good thing for the confidence, I think, of everybody here, knowing that when you hand the ball to someone, they go out and do the job. And Pablo's been uh, good, and it was another solid start for him. Uh, you know, if we, we score a little bit more, we win the game. The personnel did change a little bit. I'm not going to dismiss that. But philosophically, did anything change as you kind of huddle with the pitching team uh, entering the year about how to get more length from this group collectively? Well, I mean, you said it right there to start. The truth of the matter is when you start looking at the personnel that you're working with, that's by far the biggest part of the conversation. When you look up and you're handing the ball to Pablo Lopez on opening day, you have an expectation of what he's going to do. He has an expectation of what he's going to do. Uh, and then every single other guy that followed in the rotation thinks the same way. Uh, in spring training, uh, I, I got a chance to stand in front of that group and, and throw out a, a good competitive challenge to them. Uh, we're going to need them to, to carry us this year. And, uh, you know, other parts of the team are going to contribute and carry us too at certain times. But uh, without the starting pitching, no team has anything really. So it starts there. Uh, if you're going to build a playoff contending team, you need your starters to go out there, do phenomenal work, and our guys are doing phenomenal work. Why did you think that when you huddled this team together that the starters were going to have to carry it and maybe not as much as the offense was going to when you thought about how the season may play out? Because every great team that I've ever been on had great starting pitching. And if you don't have great starting pitching, you can you can pretend and piece together and find ways to win. Yes, if you have the best offense in the league, uh, you can you can go out there and, and go play some, you know, 
uh, competitive games late in the year and maybe win a World Series. But the truth of the matter is the pitching is what's going to give you an opportunity to win every single day. Uh, you know, whether the team's scoring a lot of runs, not scoring a lot of runs, defending really well, not defending really well. If you're only giving up a couple of runs a game uh, and your starters are going deep and you have your bullpen up there uh, and they're, they're reasonably rested most of the year because the starters are doing their job, it just makes everything work more, more easily. I thought about 19 when you talked about you can have these juggernaut offenses that can set all these records, but then when it comes to October, that, that pitching has to be there. And that's what happened your first year, right? You had the Bomba squad, record-setting home runs, the ball was flying but then come October, it's hard to keep up that same pace. Yeah, it, it does. The The weather changes. You're starting to face other teams and face their best pitchers too when you start getting into the playoffs. Uh, and the game, the game does change. Uh, you have to find ways to win a lot of different types of games. I say that a lot. You have to be able to win high-scoring games, low-scoring games, games that are tight, late, extra inning games, things like that. Uh, you got to find ways to manufacture runs. you got to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But in the middle of all of that, you have to pitch. Pablo Lopez has a changeup. Bailey Ober's changeup has been a great pitch this season. He's throwing it more. He's not giving up much in terms of extra base hits. Have you seen the game shift where you would see the changeup thrown by a righty, but pretty much to lefties? You'd see a lefty throw a changeup pretty much to right-handed batters, but now you're seeing that same side changeup become much more common when you study uh, pitchers and their trends and their arsenal that they have at their disposal. Why has that shifted a little bit? And we're seeing Lopez. We're seeing Ober. We're seeing even Joe Ryan to an extent with his splitter throw more of that split or change up to the same side of the plate because pitchers have adapted and everyone in this game uh it's 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 our organization has done a good job of this but you look around the league you see some other teams doing a really nice job too pitchers now know what they need to do like precisely what they need to do to get hitters out and what you need to get most left-handed hitters out and most right-handed hitters out is going to be totally different and you need to have the type of arsenal that can pitch to everyone previously in our game guys pitchers had their stuff they would go out there and attack lefties and righties with the same fastball they try to use the same type of fastball to get both of them out now you're even seeing the differences in in fastballs where guys have two and three and four different fastballs to attack hitters that have different strengths so these pitchers have uh, gotten very very particular and knowledgeable about how they need to attack each hitter they know everyone's strengths they know everyone's weaknesses you see right on right change-ups now you see you know you see you see all kinds of things that you would never see previously and it's made life for the hitters more difficult if you were still an active player based on all that and based on all the data and information that's out there right now how would you prepare in today's game to hit and face a starting pitcher on a given day I'd be in deep trouble. I I, I mean that. I, I mean that. It's a much, much different game preparing as a hitter uh, th than it used to be. And uh, also, uh, as a hitter who swung at everything, literally everything, um, it, it, I'd probably approach it differently than some of these guys do who have a little bit of a better eye uh, than I have. But um, I, I'd probably just go up there and know what that pitcher does uh, a little more often than not and sit on pitches and try to hit those pitches that I was particularly uh, looking for. That that plan doesn't, doesn't work for everyone, uh, but it's probably what I would be forced to do to be able to hit all these different things that these guys are throwing. The high strikeout rate that the team has, ha has had pretty much all season long, uh, how much of that is because of what pitchers can do and the advantage that they have based on finding all these weaknesses 
with these hitting staffs and with these hitting departments that they have to study and utilize to their strength. Does that play into why we're seeing the strikeout rate as high as it's been for this team all year? I, I think so. But I think you also, there's, there's a few different ways to talk about the, the, the strikeouts. Strikeouts are still up around baseball, around the league. So it's not, it's not just a twins thing. Are we striking out proportionally a little bit more than some of the other clubs? Yes. Um, can you still win a lot of games, even if you strike out a, a good amount? Yes, you can, absolutely you can. So it's a, that's not an excuse or uh, or anything like that. Um, I, I do think that uh, the the pitchers though, and the way that they use their stuff, and the, the 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 caliber of the stuff in general in today's game is generally why we're seeing strikeouts all around the league continuing to rise, even though Major League Baseball is trying to find ways to get more action, to get more contact, to make things happen. You'd think if you forced pitchers on the mound with a pitch clock that they'd have to take a deep breath and slow down every once in a while, dial it back, maybe pitch to contact a little bit more. We haven't seen that. We've seen pitchers continue to just attack, attack, attack with really high caliber stuff. And if they fade and and get tired, they fade, but they're not coming with lesser stuff because of all of these rule changes. Speaking of the pitch clock, there was some that took place in, in our game last night involving Miguel Cabrera where he struck out because of a pitch clock violation. Now, Cabrera's point, you were out there uh, chatting with uh, the umpires. Uh, From what we gather is that he was looking at the clock and it was not functioning correctly, and yet he was still guilty of a strike three violation. Hasn't happened too much, but what is the rule? If, if If there's a pitch clock and it's malfunctioning, what can the umpires do about it? Well, what they could have done is what they did do and uh, the umpire at home plate Alex last night did tell Miguel Cabrera I heard and our catcher that the that the clock was not working so everyone was aware at the plate that the clock was not working it's a very difficult thing for an umpire and the players to have to deal with when there's um, electronic issues on the field and things like that in general they do a good job of handling those things there are a lot of conversations uh, between everyone uh, on the playing surface down there um, about what's going on uh, with the pitch clock and things like that even though not every fan might know that that uh, pitch clock wasn't working the umpire definitely knew and, and lets everyone know when they walk to the plate so there was that one clock I think on the right side of the batter's eye that was stuck at 34 but the one in left center field that looked to be operational and was Cabrera looking at the 34 and not the one on the left is that kind of what what Alex uh, told him last night I couldn't tell you I have I have no idea what he was uh, what he was looking at or wasn't looking at but um, RJ, you know, Jeffers came in after the inning and said, well, Alex, Alex let everyone know when they came to the plate that the clock on the right wasn't working. So if, if someone's listening that they, they hear him, if, the, if not, uh, or maybe he heard him and then forgot, which, which could happen too. That wouldn't be the first time that that's taken place. We'll take our last break on our Sunday show. When we come back, we'll talk about a name that Twins fans might be familiar with. Uh, that is Dallas Keuchel. The Twins signed him to a minor league deal this week. We'll talk about that. And much more with Rocco Baldelli as Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer wraps up next on your home for Twins baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's our final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Rocco Ball Deli. There was a transaction made this week with the Twins involving a player on a minor league deal, but it's a pretty you know noticeable name in that Dallas Keuchel is now a Minnesota Twins. He is going to report to AAA St. Paul. When did you first get word that uh, Keuchel was on the team's radar? Actually, just a day or two before uh, we, we ended up signing him. We, we discussed him a good bit. Um, normally, I don't go too deep into guys that we may sign to minor league deals or things like that. But like you said, Dallas Keuchel is a pretty noteworthy uh, uh, you know, name to be adding to the mix. Uh, apparently, he's been working pretty diligently. Uh, he's been at uh, one of those facilities where he's really dedicated himself to kind of getting back where he wants to be. And he's throwing the ball well. So uh, you can never have too much pitching depth. So you want to just keep adding and adding and adding. And I think that's what we're doing here. And we'll see how he throws the ball. We'll give him some uh, some chances, hand him the ball, let him go pitch, uh, and seeing, uh, seeing what all that hard work is, is looking like on the mound. When a guy like Keuchel, you know, comes to your desk, what are some of the questions you ask, you know, Derek and or Thad about maybe the reasons why behind you sign, in this case, Keuchel or other players about things that they noticed and saw? What are, what are some of those first questions you ask the front office about it? Well, to be honest, with a lot of these types of signings, you know, we leave it to the front office to um, go out and find these guys, and they do a good job of, of doing that. Uh, I don't get too involved. I don't ask that many questions. Uh, I say uh, is he throwing the ball well Uh, what's he look like doing that Uh, what are the workouts looking like what does the player want because with a lot of these veteran players who do come uh, uh, back and want to play you know what is their intent what is their goal what are they looking for Um, I've seen guys come back and uh, you know as after having really long productive successful careers making a bunch of money and winning a lot of games what are they looking for and I've seen some guys that want just an opportunity to keep playing they'll go to AAA they'll pitch there as long as they need to uh, and they just want to play. Uh, you see other guys that it kind of expect things when they're coming back, even though they're not, you know, who they once were. Uh, I think Dallas Keuchel's more of the first one that just he wants to keep playing. He wants to go out there and continue to prove himself, and thinks that there's there's still a good amount in the tank there. So I think he just wants to go out and keep pitching in, in the big leagues. Another topic I want to address as we kind of wind down today's show is the upcoming draft, because I know much of your Post-playing career has involved, you know, looking at players and looking at amateur players for whether it was Tampa Bay and now the Twins. Have you spent time looking at some of these young players the Twins may take with the fifth overall pick coming up in a couple of weeks? I, I, I love the draft. I think the draft is one of the most phenomenal things. I mean, it's it's kind of like an it's an inspiring uh, you know, thing where you're going to look for young players, high school and college guys, and, you know, trying to project and think to yourself, you know, and, and make sense of who's going to be a big leaguer, who are going to be the guys that are at target field playing and, and, and the all-stars in the upcoming year. So I look at them. I love looking at them, but I look more at them, uh, uh, because I'm interested in it, and it kind of fires me up and gives me something to look at uh, to get my maybe my mind off of what's going on at the moment. So uh, the draft is something that I'll always, I think, have a soft spot in my in my heart for. I'll be watching it. I'll be talking to all of our guys, uh, and we'll see who uh, who Sean Johnson wants to uh, uh, go with with that with that early selection because we pick nice and early this year. What's different about the amateur player in 2023 that wasn't there in 2013? 
Well, 2013 or 2000, when I was when I was in high school, coming up, the the game and the way that all of the, the young players out there have have developed, uh, it's changed a lot. There's there's a lot of um, uh, instead of just going out and playing American Legion ball and just going out and playing as many games as you can, you know, there's the the showcase circuit now. So there's fewer actually competitive games that young players are simply going out there, learning the game, and playing a win. Um, and, and there's more of, you know, you show up to the event, you do the BP, you go out there and, you know, you're trying to show, you know, your arm strength and things like that. So I think the balance of um, playing competitive ball games and learning what it takes to actually win a game, learning those things is really important. And I think balancing that with the showcase part of things is, is good for, for young players and young parents to probably think about. Rock, thanks for the time. Always appreciate your insight on this uh, Sunday morning. Good luck here today. Thank you, Corey. Rocco Baldelli, we thank you for listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. It's Game 3 coming up momentarily here in Detroit. Twins and the Tigers, Bailey Ober for the Twins and Michael Lorenzen for Detroit. Stay tuned, much more to come. Chris's pregame show is coming up when we come back right here on your home for Minnesota Twins baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.